This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Breaching the fault lines of today. Welcome to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back this week to another episode of Reform This on the Blaze Radio Network. Your faithful American Muslim patriot who tries to guide you week to week on this journey, this journey for security, the journey for strategy for solution to the problem that I believe and I think most Americans believe is the number one threat to our freedom, to our liberty, and to our security, which is not only terrorism, which is a tactic, but the ideology of political and radical Islam. That underbelly, that ideology that fuels it, and as you know in this program, for those of you who've listened before, and if you're new, welcome. Thank you for listening. Thank you for subscribing. I hope you'll find here that hope, that sense of inspiration, that you hear a voice here of an American mindset, someone who's American first, someone who loves his faith as a Muslim but does not gauge all of my activities, uh, especially political statements based upon uh, my religious teachings, but rather looks upon the terrorism, the political Islam of the world as the pro- a Muslim problem that needs a Muslim solution. As we enter 2017, I hope this year brings us safety, security. I hope what we've been talking about since I started this program uh, over 30 episodes ago, I hope that uh, we can begin to see in fruition with a Trump administration, with a public that's becoming ever more savvy on the problems of political Islam and the theological discourse that needs to happen, that's beginning to marginalize appropriately the victim-mongering voices of Islamists that have dominated our community since 9-11 and long before, that all of you will join me in holding hands, and also, more importantly, beginning to peel the onion of Islamic theological discourse where you can help lead us Muslims, allow us to begin to have that 12-step program beyond the denial, 12-step program that goes not only beyond denial but stops the enabling, the enabling of the left who uses us Muslims as a foil as a as a crutch for their own identity politics and we begin to step beyond the false narrative that Islam is a race that Islam is an identity but rather the real narrative the reality the facts that Islam is a ideology and within that ideology are forms that are not a threat which I believe is pietistic Islam, 
and forms that are a deep threat, which is political theocratic or Sharia state identity. So I promise you in my New Year's resolution that we will do more Muslim engagement. I hope this year to bring you some interviews with leading reformers that we will do here on this podcast that uh, I'll begin to give you a flavor. You've gotten some of my ideas, and we'll get a lot more of those uh, as time goes. But I'll begin to bring to you some conversations with other anti-Islamist activists, with those who are doing other work, heroic work, from Toronto to Canada, uh, from Toronto, Canada to Washington to Paris and across the world. And I want to announce right now as we start the year that there is a website that will be rolling out and will be available in the next few weeks that will have a special newsletter. And I'd like my podcast listeners to be the first to be able to access that. And it's called Take Back Islam. Yes, this is a movement I hope to be a part of. I hope to lead. Um, Yes, I am a part, a founder, a co-founder of the Muslim Reform Movement that I've told a lot of you about but take back Islam is just one part of that. I think that 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 idea will give you insight into what's happening on the front lines, the news, before you get it from anyone else. To know what my daily thoughts are on on whatever the the most important facts of the day are, and to get a perspective that. You've been getting some of on this podcast, but that you may not be able to get anywhere else sort of as an insider insider report, if you will. And that will be at TakeBackIslam.com, TakeBackIslam.com. And I hope to do that and more Muslim engagement are my two resolutions for this year. And also to thank you. Thank you for listening and being a subscriber. You know, one of the things uh, this week that uh, I saw as the New Year's went through was more, uh, I know, I know, for those of you that can stand looking at the the George Soros' websites, uh, the Media Matters site is just a bunch of propaganda, which it certainly is. But you have to understand that the left's wedding, the left's attachment to the Islamist movements and their apologists is key to saturating the public spaces with ideas that divert us, divert us from the reality of what we should be talking about. And there's no better piece, I thought, this week than the one that came out by, oh, they didn't even sign it. It was just basically written um, by uh, their staff writers. And uh, they said uh, basically that, the New Year's the New Year's resolution for cable news should be to invite Muslims to talk about life in Trump's America. And this propagandist's op-ed that goes on and on was couched in their false data, their CARE Council on American Islamic Radicalization data that um, basically presented some skewed data that said that there's been an uptick in spikes in hate crimes and that uh, things that describe as crimes are really verbiage that was caught, um, exaggerated uh, 
narratives uh, uh, on street corners or elsewhere. Yeah, some of it's offensive, but is it, is it depictive of what's happening in America? Certainly we need to address it, but their exaggeration of the things that need to be addressed. And their answer to it is to get more Muslims to talk about life in Trump's America. So immediately Trump's America becomes a pejorative. And there are many of us that did not support Trump in the primaries. And ultimately, um, he has become our, will become our president shortly. So as America's president, as my president, this piece from the Soros-funded Islamist bloviating website, Media Matters, basically is, is saying that Trump's America is all about hating Muslims. And what way to solve that is to put more Muslims on TV. Now, I'm all for that. <laughs> That's something I've talked to all of you about, is why aren't we hearing the voices of reformists? Why is it only on Fox? Why is it only on right conservative media? In this piece, they say it's the conservative media that's caused the hate. Hate, again, numbers that they exaggerate and they ignore the fact that the Jewish community, which is far more silent about what happens to their community, but they deal with it on a local level. They don't exaggerate it to throw gas on the fire. And also because there's pride involved in not exaggerating stories and just dealing with the, the problem in a humble, more deeply American way. And I would call upon American Muslims to deal with our problems in a more humble, more internally corrective method in which we show Americans that we're actually fixing our own house, and I believe that that would ultimately melt away any bigotry that may exist. But to exaggerate it as victims and show Muslims simply as women wearing hijabs and identity movements rather than as Muslims who want to come to terms with modernity is the deep pathology. When we come back, let's talk about the Muslims they want to put on the air at Media Matters and actually what that means. And they actually looked at the data of how many times Muslims appeared on air. And yeah, the good news is, is I think they counted us reformists as Muslims, which is obvious. They've always tried to commit takfir to say that we reformers are not real Muslims. But I think they counted us in their data. This is Zudi Jasser, and I'll be right back on Reform This. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser, the Blaze Radio Network. 
This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to Reform This. Thank you for staying with me. Thank you for joining me in this new year. And we were talking before the last break about Media Matters resolution from the Soros-funded leftist Islamist propagandists that it's time for cable news to invite more Muslims to talk about life in Trump's America. They're not talking about just more Muslims, which is really what they want, and they showed some data. The data they showed was that after the Orlando massacres on in June 13, 2016, CNN had only 7% of, of guest appearances were Muslim, 5% on Fox News, and 5% on MSNBC. They call that ridiculously low, which actually mirrors far higher than the population. And then in November, after the election, Muslim guests hosted on evening cable news, 28% on MSNBC were Muslim. CNN had 17%, Fox News 21%, with a total average of 21%. And they still call that too low. Hats off, I didn't know that Fox News was actually up to 21%, which is fantastic. More than CNN. But I guess that's still not good enough, because the narrative that the Islamists of the Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups that are feeding Media Matters their drivel is that there should be more sense of victimization, more sense of feeling sorry for the identity movement of Islamists. And if you look at the beginning of the piece, when they're talking about the Orlando incident, they said that, according to FBI statistics, hate crimes have been on the rise for several years, shooting up 67% between 2014 and 15, from 154 to 257 in 2015. And again, remember, the Jewish community still remains far higher than that in the anti-Semitic acts of hate that happen around the country, and our populations are quite similar in number. Though I believe the Jewish community is a few million more. But having said that, I think it's important to know that these numbers, they're ignoring the proportionality and just looking at deltas that may change. Well, this was also the greatest, most significant year of acts of violence committed by radical Islamists against the United States with the most significant act of barbarism done on our soil since 9-11 in Orlando and since Fort Hood. When they looked back at 2016 and the Pulse nightclub shooting, here's their summary of the few reformists that are on media. And this has grown. Remember, it used to just be myself on occasional uh, interview and uh, occasionally measured. Now we see Kanta Ahmed, we see Azra Nomani quite frequently. And this is how they, de they describe a few of us. They said, what's more, the three Muslim guests featured on Fox News did not adequately represent the Muslim American population. Did not adequately represent. So there's, to them, diversity is not about diversity of ideas. It's about diversity of only one idea and that Muslims 
are portrayed as victims, and diversity might be Pakistani, Egyptian, European, Syrian, but one idea, which is we are victims. Islamism is not a problem. Islamophobia is the problem. That's the message they wanted out there. They said Majid Nawaz is identified by Fox as a former Islamic extremist, quote-unquote, as if that made him not qualified, according to them. Zudi Jasser has been described by the Council on American-Islamic Relations as the de facto Muslim for anti-Muslim political leaders, unquote. What does that mean? So, ladies and gentlemen, you're listening on this podcast to the de facto Muslim for anti-Muslim political leaders. The de facto Muslim, what does that mean? <laughs> Forget all the ideas of reform, of, of the uh, caliphism, Sharia state, all these things we've been talking about and beginning to needle down through. No, I am the de facto Muslim for anti-Muslim political leaders. That's the, the gravitas of information and ideas coming from CARE, the Muslim Public Affairs Council, and all of these Islamist groups that want to deceive you that they are the victims. And then they said Kanta Ahmed has warned that it's time for the United States, Western democracies, Britain, France, to admit that we are under siege by an ideology called Islamism. Yeah, they quoted her correctly. What's wrong with that? They made a statement of exact fact from a, a Muslim who loves her faith and says that the problem is Islamism and then claim that that is somehow proof that she doesn't deserve to be there. It's just this is an upside-down world. I, I don't get it. I really don't get it. And then the percentages they gave after the election range between the lowest being CNN at 17%, MSNBC 28%, Fox 21 They said somehow doesn't adequately represent Muslims. And I would tell you, if you compare, there's been a lot more Muslim opinions and narratives being given. And they correctly quote that only 38% of Americans can recognize or know a Muslim in their own communities that they've talked to. Yes, that is a problem. But the way to address that, which is what I hope to do through this program, the way to address that is for Americans to see us owning up, to see us taking ownership of the problem beginning to treat the disease that is political Islam. So, Media Matters resolution for the year demonstrates how they are the problem, demonstrates that when you give Islamists a font, a loudspeaker, they will use it to skew data and marginalize reformers and attack us as the problem when, in fact, they don't even know how to describe diversity. Yes, they are the problem. And we, in the Muslim reform movement, need to take back Islam, as I said. We need to take back Islam. So begin to marginalize those voices. Yes, I would agree with the resolution. Have more Muslims on national television. I think it's time for us to begin having programs that are led by Muslim reformers that focus on educating Americans. No different than we educated Americans at the founding of this country about the need for religious liberty, as Thomas Jefferson did, as James Madison did. No different than we did through the Civil War changes uh, in in this country as we found refound our values through 
conflict. And then into World War I and World War II, we came together into the Cold War to name the enemy and defeat it militarily in the world wars and then ideologically in the Cold War. And I think this is where we are at this time. It is time for Muslims that are patriots to lead the cause. And how do we do that? I think Andy McCarthy, as he's always been poignant and and has been tirelessly, tirelessly talking about repeatedly the willful blindness that the West has suffered from. And I think he hit the nail on the head this week with uh, a, a piece that he dubbed, Does Trump Grasp the Reality of Radical Islam? Does Trump Grasp the Reality of Radical Islam? And, and I think, you know, he opened by saying, uh, this was the National Review, you know, it was the key national security debate of 2016 election. Donald Trump won the election in no small part because he appeared to be on the right side of it. Appeared is used advisedly, he said. Trump was at least in the general vicinity of the bullseye. His opponent wouldn't even acknowledge the target existed, except in the most grudging of ways. And only because Trump had forced the issue. So yes, he was willing to name the enemy, and I think that that Andy does then walk us through the fact that this assertion that President Trump had has been essential in beginning to direct us into the right direction about beginning to develop a strategy, and he's assembled a team around him that will likely be able to at least advance a new strategy. Now, as Andy talks about in his major speech, he identified the enemy as radical Islamic terrorism and that terrorism, its symptom is only the head of the spear. Now, Andy goes on to say, well, ISIS and Al-Qaeda could leave tomorrow. And he's not clear, and he says he's not clear himself as to whether Trump grasps the fact that those two are simply symptoms of the deeper problem. I think that is the key that I'm still looking for. I have some confidence that some of his appointments do get that. Others may not. Still looking forward to the hearings, for example, on Mr. Tillerson, and we've talked about that before, about whether he's a critic of the Petro-Islamist radicalization of world Muslims or if he'll be a facilitator of Petro-Islam as ExxonMobil has been. But, as Andy says, Trump showed a sign of awareness that there are more than bombs, hijacked planes, weaponized trucks, and jihadist gunmen to confront. Still, his focus was terrorists. Simply ISIS, which he claimed was created by the Obama-Clinton policy. But he clearly knows there's more to the threat than ISIS. He explicitly added only Al-Qaeda and Iran-backed Hamas and Hezbollah. So, this is going to be the question that evolves, is will we shift, as I've said repeatedly, from countering violent extremism to countering violent Islamism? This is Zudi Jasser on Reform This, and I'll be right back. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network.
Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This is Dr. Zudi Jesser. This is Zudi Jesser. Welcome back to Reform This. Uh, Again, looking forward to 2017 with you. And we were talking about Andy McCarthy's piece in National Review, which basically said, you know, asking the question, does Trump grasp the reality of radical Islam? I think that's that's extremely important to ask at this time. There's a petition online that Clarion Project started that says, please ask Donald Trump to meet with the Muslim reform movement. I think that's essential. The president sets the agenda for homeland security and for global foreign policy and a lens that allows Muslims to guide that as being America first, radical Islam last into the dustbin of history. Political Islam is the ideology that we're defeating and spiritual pietistic Islam as being not our enemy, but part and parcel of Muslims that we want to work with. That is what we hope, and and I would ask you to look for that on change.org. It's a petition that I think is worth looking at. It was started by Clarion Project because they realized that while the president may be surrounding by himself that are far by folks that are far better tuned to the real problems, you can't get you know we've had eight years, we've had eight years of the Muslim Brotherhood influencing directly the policies, be it the Iran deal, which basically created the platform and the and the blindness that led to Syria's deadly civil war that Obama did nothing to because probably because of the impact that it would have had upon the deal he insisted on wanting to get, which was one of the worst deals ever signed. All related to, I think, advice coming from the Muslim Brotherhood in the White House. Muslim Brotherhood legacy groups, ideologues, call them what you want. They may not be card-carrying Brotherhood members, but they are Islamist sympathizers. So the Clarion Project's petition has already, I think, almost a 1,000 signatures. And if you're inclined, spread it around. Get it out there. I think it's time for Americans to see that there are folks that aren't anti-Muslim, in fact, pro-Muslim, pro-Islam, in a way that they just want to deal with the Muslims that get it, that are willing to own up to the fact that there are some deep reforms that need to happen. They're not apologists. So... Take a look at that. As Andy says, he says, 
Trump named the enemy. In some, Trump shows signs of awareness that there are more than the bombs, hijacked planes, and weaponized trucks. But he also notes that it's a tall order not to be underestimated that if ISIS and Al-Qaeda disappeared tomorrow, other jihadist networks would take their place. It will be that way until Sharia supremacism is discredited and marginalized. I could not agree more. The audience in which the ideology must be discredited is not Western. It does not share our value system, our sense of what is credible and meritorious. Plus the Sharia that our enemies strive to implement, calling jihad in God's way and Allah's way, is undeniably rooted in Islamic scripture that we Muslims need to reform. So, you know, I think... We again hear from Andy that there is a willful blindness. And Andy further says that this is why detractors of Islam argue with considerable force that we should stop mincing words, that they condemn them. The problem is Islam, not radical Islam. Yet he says it overlooks significant facts. There's fierce intramural, internecine Islamic debates about doctrinal interpretation. And he goes on to talk about the Judeo-Christian experience that practice and interpretations can evolve. I think this is key. It's amazing that people like Andy get dismissed by Islamists as being Islamophobes and other things, when in fact they continue to obviously and openly talk about the realities that need to be treated, that need to be taken care of. And then he brings it all home when talking about that last parting shot that President Obama gave this week, last week, in which he and Kerry decided to facilitate the UN's departure from its responsibilities again to focus on the only democracy in the Middle East, be it Israel. And instead, lecture Israel for hours and hours about settlements. And what he explains, and he's correct, is that it's not just about the Israeli-Palestinian issue. It's not just about the false linkage that somehow if the Palestinian crisis was solved, that radical Islam and terrorism would go away, which is the biggest hijacking of of any reality in, in, in I, I think, history. But the reality, the reality is that this is the dogma. This is the dogma of radical Islam. Hamas's charter has hadith in it that we need to reform as Muslims, and that says, kill a Jew behind every stone. I believe that that is not the sayings of the Prophet, that it is fabricated, that it is not legitimate. It is not, there is no even soft interpretation of that nonsense. It is not valid. And there are many scholars that have described that hadith as illegitimate and a fabrication. But yet it is in the Hamas charter, and why would they put it in their charter had they not been a genocidal movement? And remember, Hamas is an outshoot of the Muslim Brotherhood. Remember, CARE is persona non grata with the FBI because, as in their letter to Senator Kyle in 2007 stated, their inability to condemn Hamas, their inability to separate themselves from Hamas, the terror organization 
makes them persona non grata, and officially FBI personnel are forbidden from working with or speaking to care in any type of formal fashion. All of this stems from the Hamas charter. And then if you look theologically, the Islamists believe that all of Jerusalem is Palestinian. There can be no modern interpretation for the state of Israel to legitimize it, which puts them in the margins of even every country in the world that recognizes Israel as a legitimate state and democracy. And these are all theological problems with Islamists. It's not just political hand-wringing of peacemaking. And this is why I tell my Muslim friends is that not only does linkage not make sense, but we cannot be any voice for Palestinian issues until we reform our own house, until we marginalize groups like Hamas, and until the Palestinian independent state, whatever that might be, would be clearly not Islamist. Because if it's Islamist, it is genocidal against Jews and would not be a, a mechanism for any type of security for the Jewish community in Israel. So these things need to come for. And I, I use an example, for example. Imagine if Syria was not Syria. It only existed since 1946. But imagine if it didn't exist. And all of a sudden now Assad wanted to claim that Syria was a state. Would he have a legitimate right to claim that? Absolutely not. He's a corrupt. Would ISIS have a right? Absolutely not. Both of them are evil genocidal movements. Assad being the Iranian Shia jihadist that is using chemical weapons and a military with a 60-year history of oppressing tyrannically its people. And then ISIS, we know that story of the militancy and barbarism of the Sunni jihadists of ISIS. Those two movements don't deserve a state, and certainly I pray that there will be a third pathway in Syria Ultimately, that'll rise from the ashes of the half a million killed and 12 million displaced. When we come back last, I want to talk to you about, there's been discussions in all the, the Muslim community, a lot of the Islamists meet over the Christmas break because it's not a Muslim holiday. They get together in these global conferences that happen in Toronto and Chicago. And in one of the ones in Chicago, Jamal Bedawi talked about Islam not needing reform. And I think there's no better metaphor for us to go out on today than for me to talk to you about what the heck was better we talking about. This is Zudi Jaster on Reform This, and I'll be right back. You're listening to Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. The Blaze Radio Network. The progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something. And progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars.
Reaching the fault lines of today. This is Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Dr. Zudi Jasser. Welcome back to our last segment this week of Reform This. Thank you, thank you, thank you for subscribing, for listening, for joining me. I think that uh, week to week you will find here a discussion that will slowly empower you to be able to have that conversation about whether you're Muslim or not with your colleagues, with your friends, with your family about Islam and more and the threat that we suffer from in America globally and domestically in a more intellectual, a more knowledgeable, more factual and a more fair way and yet in a very American way without compromising our values as Americans be it to our constitution and our loyalty to the Bill of Rights to our military, to our strategy abroad, and how do we actually defeat jihadists? Now, I mentioned to you before the break that we were going to talk about Jamal Bedoui. Jamal Bedoui, I mentioned before, a few episodes back, that this guy is on the board of the Islamic Society of Boston. He's a Canadian, also American scholar who gives speeches for Brotherhood groups. He's a known originator, original brother of the Muslim Brotherhood movement in America, part of the legacy groups, be it with the Muslim American Society, especially with the Muslim Student Association in the late 60s, worked with Berzinji and others who were the original founders, as detailed in the Holy Land Foundation trial. He speaks every year at these major conferences. He spoke this year at the Muslim American Society Islamic Center of North Islamic Circle of North America Convention, which happened December twenty third to twenty fifth in Chicago. So in Chicago, these guys were talking, and he gave one of his keynotes that he always gives. Muslim American Society, as described by the Chicago Tribune in two thousand and four, was the network of Muslim Brotherhood, basically, if it existed in America. And this is obvious, not only by its history, but if you look at some of its programs, programmatically, their programs across schools, across mosques, mirror, page by page, the programs of the Egyptian Muslim Brotherhood and other Brotherhood groups across the Arab world. Now, Jamal Bedoui quoted... During his speech, he talked about the perfection of Islam, talked about the word reform, and said that, well, many people talk about reform. And he said, well, literally, what does it mean for reform? He said, literally, it means to remove faults and abuses. He said, well, if you're going to remove faults and abuses, you cannot reform Islam. He said, Islam is God's religion. It does not need reform. It is perfect. Wow. I think most most faiths would recognize that if God were speaking to us directly, God needs no reform. So therefore his religion as he presented it to us at the time of its presentation through Abraham, through Moses through the prophets that directly communicated with him, it was perfect in what God intended. 
Because, yes, to those who believe in God, God is perfect. His religion would be perfect. But the expression of that religion needs work. It's human. So it's amazing to me the Islamists... Let's set aside right now this semantic discussion, which is not semantic because if you look at terrorists and jihadists, they constantly will will burn up, torch, torture, and torch anyone who draws cartoons of the Prophet or does anything to disrespect what they believe to be Islam. Now, I would not disrespect Islam as my own faith, but that's my faith. Now, they call it disrespect when I disagree and condemn the Islamic State ideology. They condemn and marginalize me as an apostate because I refuse to accept any Sharia state mentality, any Hadood punishments, any caliphate idea. They condemn women who disagree with the honor brigade, as Ezra Nomani describes it, who disagree and detest honor violence, honor abuse, and discrimination. So the mentalities that we're dealing with here, I think, are extremely important because it's not just about reforming Muslims. At the core of this conversation, and I think it's important that these speeches, you know, there were a few thousand, I think 10,000 people at this conference of the Muslim American Society, Islamic Circle of North America. It's barely reported on. And you all are wondering, how is it that Muslims get radicalized? Well, when they're told that the discussion of Islam as a religion is a discussion about something that's perfect, you can't ask a question. Boom, it's closed. What the scholars say is Islam must be Islam, and if it's perfect, you can't question it. So therefore, they mix concepts of what is reality versus what is fiction, what is God's versus what is man's. And this concept of render under God's what is God's and Caesar under Caesar's, which is the essential nature of separating mosque and state, is lost. And this is what my work is dedicated to. This program is about in Islam rendering unto God's what is God's. Yes, God's Islam is perfect to me. I know it's not to those who are non-Muslim, but to your non-Muslim, God's Christianity perfect. Jesus is perfect. God's Judaism is perfect to Jews. We each have our own faith. But the human expression of Islam is vastly imperfect and needing of reform, modernization, and reinterpretation of Scripture, and especially marginalization of things like that hadith I talked about last segment that I don't believe the Prophet ever said. Now, we can debate whether he said it or not, and those who who want to hate Islam can say that the Prophet said that, and I'm just trying to to lie or whatever you feel is is the reality of Muslims in your life. But the bottom line is, is that all that matters is that whether it's mythology or not, we can't even decide what the truth was on stories from 
a year ago in Iraq or Afghanistan or Syria. So now I'm going to convince the world that whether the Prophet Muhammad said, kill a Jew behind every stone in 623 CE, I'm never going to be able to prove that. We can do a scholarly review of the Hadith and authenticity and do a, a explanatory tafsir of certain passages on how he could have never said that or would have said it. We can have that debate. But at the end of the day, I hope as you listen to these podcasts, as you begin to learn more about Islam and Muslims, that you realize that all that matters is that the Muslim groups you work with come to, the Muslims that you work with and their groups, come to an interpretation that doesn't conflict with their allegiance and primary loyalty to the U.S. Constitution, to the Universal Declaration of Human Rights, and leaves their faith personal. So therefore, if I can somehow teach my kids that the Hadith is corrupt, that says, kill a Jew behind every stone, and that's not Hadith, and that the only Hadiths we use are the ones that teach us how to pray, how to fast, how to be good people, humble, honest, with integrity, and that if it talks about war, that it has to do with a single battle in 623 CE and doesn't apply till today anymore, that the only battles we should swear allegiance to are those declared by our commander-in-chief in the U.S. and the militaries that we swear allegiance to. And the flag that we swear allegiance to. That is the important part. And you should work with reformers that carry that mantra. So, Mr. Bedoui, Dr. Bedoui, Islam from God doesn't need reform, but the Islam that's human and its interpretations and all of its Islamist underpinnings needs to be defeated, needs to be changed, needs to be modernized. No, the one part of Islam I will tell you I do not believe should or ever can change is the Arabic script of the Quran. The Arabic script. Because that's the one thing Muslims agree on. And probably how you would define a Muslim is a Muslim who believes that the Quran is the word of God, the Arabic script of it. Now the interpretation of those passages, of those words on the pages, and yes, we'll get into, as I have already in a number of episodes, what is chapter 5, what is chapter 9, mean about the infidels and all these other things. We can get into that. But the perfection that Bedoui talks about of the Islam, it doesn't exist on this earth. This earth is human. The creation of God being nature and our, our bodies, our minds, yes, that is his creation on earth. But our practice together, our worship, our religious communal gathering and education is human. The Quran script, I believe, is from God. As a Muslim, I believe that. And I think it is my legacy, I hope, that we realize that we have to render unto Caesar what is Caesar, unto man what is man's, which is our interpretation of that scripture, and then render unto God's that scripture, that Islam, to God. And then we just create a space in life on earth that 
allows us not to interfere in each other's practice, to respect each other equally, all, regardless of faith or no faith, under God, under one law, secular law, common law, reason, and not under simply Sharia or Hadood or exegesis. So thank you for joining me in this journey. I look forward to spending another year with you together. And I hope you get a little sense of hope week to week here in our time together on Reform This. Thank you. Reform This with Dr. Zudi Jasser. Breaching the fault lines of today. The Blaze Radio Network.